Welcome to Should I Get Bangs. I'm your host, Julia Rossi, and I'm recording outside of my house um, because uh, I, I have my dog who wants to be outside. I'm also dog sitting, so I have a second dog. So I'm outside with the dogs, and I have the baby inside the house. Uh, this is a, a long-winded way of me saying that today's episode is going to be short. I don't have a guest. It's just me again. Um, I was supposed to have a guest that I was gonna record with on Monday, but I was at the vet most of Monday and good portion of the last weekend because I thought my dog was dying. Uh, so this episode is gonna be about dogs and pets and a brief little tidbit about how I thought my dog was dying. Um, uh, so I've never had a dog. Um, I've never had anything but fish growing up. Uh, my my mom, um, she's very clean, perhaps to an OCD level, and uh, fish were the only pet we were allowed to have because they were easy to take care of. They don't poop on the carpet, all that good stuff. Although, obviously, you know, potty training or whatever works for dogs. But apparently, my mom thought the dogs would poop all over the house. Um, that being said, I only had fish. I guess I, I kind of had a dog. I dated someone with a dog and lived with them. So I, I inherited that dog, but I never had a dog that I picked out, made my own. And my dog, Mrs. Roper, uh, she is my first legit dog. <laughs> legit. As if my ex-boyfriend's dog was a stuffed animal. It was a real dog. What I'm saying is, is Mrs. Roper is my first true dog. She's a little eight pound poodle just found out she's actually seven pounds because she's losing weight she's real tiny she's a poodle mix she's a real weirdo thought she was six when i got her back in 2018 turns out i think she's more like 12 maybe older uh, i got her at the pasadena aspca and when i first moved to la uh i was just completely obsessed with getting a dog because um, we had more space we had a yard my husband, part of why I moved to LA in 2018 is my husband got a job. I wasn't working. So I was spending all day on Pet Finder and different adoption websites, like taking screenshots of dogs, sending them to my husband, being like, should we get this dog? How about this dog? What about this dog? And he's just texting back, uh, cool, I'm at work. Like, leave me alone. You're the one that wants the dog. So it was very, if you've ever tried to adopt a dog, uh, you may know that it can be actually quite complicated and stressful. Like, I, I always thought you just, you know, you go to the shelter, you pick up a dog, which I guess might happen in some areas. But in Los Angeles, it was such a process. It was very expensive to adopt a dog. I talked to a lot of people who did very intense interviews to adopt the dogs. This one woman I spoke to... She wanted to come over with the dog. Then she was telling me the bedtime routine with the dog, how she claps her hands at 8 p.m. and goes night-night, light, lights out, and sings a whole song and gives the dog a bedtime. And I was like, I do not want you in my house. I don't want you anywhere. I don't want you to have my address. Um, 
So I felt really like disappointed and overwhelmed by the whole adoption process. So I said to my husband, to the universe, I said, you know what? I'm going to stop looking for the dog, much like dating. Like I'm going to stop looking and the right dog is just going to appear in my life. You know, we're going to like be at some street fair and there's going to be one of those adoption vans set up. And that's how we're going to find our dog. It's just going to come to us. And lo and behold, about two weeks later, uh, I was going to this little fair, craft fair in Pasadena. And my husband wasn't supposed to come with me. He gave me a ride. We found parking really quickly, blah, blah, blah. He decided to pop in with me real quick. And there's an ASPCA van set up. And we asked, do you have any little dogs? And they say, we have one. She's out for a walk right now. There she is. And they point into the distance, trotting our way, comes this little white fluffy dog. And she had terrible teeth. She was real janky looking. And my husband and I both said, her, we want her. And we took her home that day. I already had the name picked out, Mrs. Roper. It fit her perfectly. And she's a real weirdo. She's, you know... Most dogs like go through the garbage and like to play fetch. Not Mrs. Roper. She uh, licks the air. She's got a lot of anxiety. She licks the air. She vomits up hairballs like a cat. She has terrible skin allergies. Uh, spent hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of dollars on her skin allergies. Um, terrible teeth. Had to get a lot of her teeth taken out. She looked real... Uh, I'll, I'll maybe share a picture of her, but she's, she's a real interesting pup. I guess a lot of dogs, you know, I know all dogs have their own special personality, but I feel like she's a real atypical, what you think of a normal dog. And I treated her like my baby when I first got her before I had a baby. And then the poor thing, when I actually had a human baby, um, human baby had to come first before the dog. And Mrs. Roper had a really hard time with it barked at the baby a lot. I will say this, if anyone is listening who is pregnant or, or has a partner that's pregnant or you're adopting or there is a small human about to come into your home and you have a dog, train the dog before the baby comes home. Uh, Google it. You can like, I guess, play baby sounds. You can have a trainer come in. You can do all these sorts of things. I didn't do that. I came home from the hospital threw a baby blanket at Mrs. Roper, had her sniff it, assumed that would make her fall in love with the baby. Didn't work. It was a very loud experience of Mrs. Roper barking at the baby, the baby crying. Um, now that the baby's crawling, Mrs. Roper's back to barking at her because I think she gets scared of her. Um, all this being said, what happened last weekend was I was supposed to record a podcast and Mrs. Roper walked out into the yard and she laid down like far away from, from the door, um, as far out as possible. I thought she was like going out to pasture. I think that's what the term comes from. And she laid down, she was crying, she was twitching, she was shaking. She wouldn't let me pick her up and I lost it. I sobbed that guttural sob. I'm like, oh, she's dying. You know, I know pets die. I get it. Um, I accept it. I, I cried and, um, my very good friend, Brooke, who lost her dog a month ago, I called her to ask her what emergency vet I could go to. She's like, I'm coming over. She took me to the vet. Uh, 
And if you've ever had an experience with an emergency vet, they're very nice. Vets in general, they're very nice. But God, are they expensive. And it's such a mind fuck because they're telling you, you know, we got to do this test or we might have to do this thing. We might have to do this to the dog and it could be this and it's going to cost this much money, but it might not even work. And we don't even know if it's that. And, you know, it's hard because a dog can't talk and verbalize what's going on with them and their symptoms. And, and I don't have dog insurance. And so all these things, um, you know, they want to do blood work, take her to my vet. The vet says, you know, maybe it's cancer. Uh, turned out not to be cancer. Says maybe she needs a $10,000 back surgery. She doesn't. Um, and this pissed me off. I say to the vet, I say, well, you know, well, let's, I want to pay to find out what's going on with her. But as far as treatment, I do have a limit on what I'm going to spend. And I think that's fair. And he says, I absolutely understand. You know, it's just that most pet owners can't live with the guilt of not knowing that they tried absolutely everything. Now, fuck that. I'm sorry, but it's okay to have boundaries with what you're going to spend on your pet. Also, Oftentimes people spend a lot of money keeping a pet around just to keep it alive. And the pet is suffering and they're miserable. I will spend whatever to keep my pet out of pain. But if it's her time to go, it's her time to go. Some people might disagree with me. That's fine. But that's my feeling. So if you are dealing with a vet right now that is making you feel like you need to spend money that you don't have or don't want to spend or whatever it is, uh, don't listen to them. Tr trust your gut. Trust, trust your intuition. I do think pet owners have intuition with their pets. Um, and my intuition with Mrs. Roper was it wasn't going to get to that. And if it did, you know, she wouldn't want to be here and suffering. Anywho, she doesn't have cancer. She doesn't need the back surgery. She probably has a slip disc. She's on pain meds. She is also going blind. Uh, so that's a bummer. But I got to say, I was really, um, you know, before I had a pet, I think I looked at pet stuff. Like, I know pets are special, but I, I, I didn't realize how deeply they become part of your family. I mean... When I look at my immediate family unit, it's me, my husband, my child, and my dog. It, we're a foursome. We're, we're a square. There's four pieces. And the thought of losing one of those pieces, Mrs. Roper, was devastating. And again, I know it's going to happen. Um, I know everyone goes at one point. You know, I've had two very, very close friends lose their parents in the last month, uh, my, my cousins lost their, their mom recently, my aunt. Um, I, sorry, my, the dog we're dog sitting is like coughing up something right now. She looks really cute doing it, but it's a gross noise. Um, death. What am I saying about death? Um, it's a, you know, whether it's a pet and not to compare a pet to a parent by any means, but Preparing yourself for loss is, uh, it's just a fact of life. And I think the whole, you know, 
I think I was especially affected by what happened with Mrs. Roper because I've been thinking so much about my friends who lost their parents and watching somebody that you love very much grieve is really hard because you can't help them, you know, and it's like, how often can you text someone? How are you doing? Checking in on you, you know, I mean, I guess you can text them every day. How often can you do it? You can do it as often as you want, but I also want to give people space and, you know, you say all the things to someone when, when they lose someone, you know, if there's anything you need, let me know. I'm so sorry for your loss. Let me know if there's anything I can do. Um, but it never feels like enough, you know? And then after a week or two, after the person has passed and, you know, the funeral's over, that person is then left alone with their grief. And I think that's probably when it's even more important to check on somebody who's who's dealing with grief. Um, I don't know. This is just what I've observed. I have yet to experience a great loss. Um, I've lost, you know, some relatives. I've, I've lost um, some friends. Um, I have yet to lose an immediate family member, a grandmother who I was really close with, but like I've, I haven't lost an immediate family member or like a best friend. And so if I'm not, you know, giving the proper advice or insight, I am very open to anyone emailing or commenting and letting me know uh, a more appropriate response. But, but from what I've seen, um, I think a really kind thing to do is to make sure you check on people who are grieving when the dust has settled, you know, uh, weeks later, months later, a year later, um, or, you know, let them know they can always reach out to you. Uh, and hopefully that's the kind of relationship you have where they can just call you and cry or yell or complain or share funny memories or whatever it is, whatever their process is. So, Anyways, I'm just thinking a lot about people, anyone who's lost a loved one, who's lost a pet, who's lost anyone. Um, it's just been a theme right now in my circle. And so it's on my mind. Um, and I know it's inevitable. I know we're all going to lose people, especially our parents. I mean, that's the one, that's the one that's such a fucking mind fuck. Like we're all going to lose our parents. I'm sorry if this is becoming a downer, but it's just a reality that's been hitting me lately. You know, as my parents get older, I live across the country from them. I think a lot about wanting to move back just to be near them, but then, you know, they've very kindly, compassionately, intelligently said, why would you move back? Like, you know, why, why would you move back? What? Cause to wait around, I mean, my dad, I might've said this in the podcast before, but when I first moved across the country, I said to my dad, you know, I don't want to be that far from you because what if something happens? And he goes, what are you, a fucking doctor? And he's right. You know, that was his way of saying like, go do your thing. Like, what are you going to, something happens to me. What are you going to come and operate? You know, but I mean, I think anyone listening can understand no but I could at least be by your side and, and help you and, and help, you know, whichever spouse is left behind. But um, yeah, I guess it's not really ideal for me, for a child to, it's really not living if you're just waiting. 
Okay, how do I want to say this? A child should live their life and actually live it and not live it near their parents in case their parents die. That is not an eloquent way of saying what I'm trying to say, but like, don't let your life or dream die because you feel like you need to be near someone because they might die. That sounds terrible too. I'm sure somebody else has written a quote of what I'm trying to say in a nicer way, but uh, yeah, uh, my parents have made it very clear they want me to live my life and not in fear of them not living. That's what I want to say. So I don't know. I don't know what the resolution to that is. You know, I'll try to go back and visit more. Um, although planes are very unreliable right now in that they keep canceling flights because they're low on staff and people keep getting COVID. Oh, God. Anywho, that is why my guest, why I didn't get to have a guest this week uh, because I thought my dog was dying, but she's okay. I hope that the dogs in your life are okay. I hope that the people in your life are okay. I hope that you're okay. And if you're not okay, that's okay. Thanks so much for listening. Um, my guest next week, uh, hopefully I can coordinate with her, is going to be really great um, if it all works out. It's somebody that I used to be enemies with. That's my teaser. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. Um, also, I think I'm going to have about five or ten more episodes and then have it be a wrap on season one. Um, if you've been listening to the show, you know, I've been going back and forth about continuing. Um, I've gotten really busy lately, good busy, like work busy, life busy, family busy, all good things. Um, and so I might, uh, my plan is to do a few more episodes, have it be the end of season one, and then hopefully come back, uh, in January. So uh, I'll take that one step at a time. But I, I do plan on doing a few more episodes after this one. Um, and yeah, uh, also let me know if you enjoy these little mini episodes. You know, I love having guests on, um, but sometimes it is hard to coordinate with people um, and things come up and, and guests cancel. I have to cancel. So, you know, to, to stay with my commitment of doing a weekly episode, I do solo episodes. And uh, I hope they're interesting. Uh, I've definitely gotten more comfortable with them as time has gone on. I think my first solo episode, I felt like a crazy person talking into a mic alone. And now I'm like, oh, this is kind of lovely. So I hope you enjoy these once in a while solo episodes. Um, and uh, I should be back next week with a guest uh, and a few more episodes to wrap up this season. Um, and that's it. Uh, if you like the show, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, wherever you listen and take care until then. Okay. Bye.